Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the Baseball subreddit. My name is Lewis, and I am so excited. It is opening week, and because of that, we're going to be spending the second section of this podcast talking about not only all of our opening week plans, we've got, I've got five other of the crew members here, including we finally got our production administrator, Christine, on board to appear, so I'm really excited about that. So later on in this episode, we're going to talk about our opening day plans and traditions, but also since it is episode 15, we've done a dozen interviews so far, and we know that a lot of people tuning in this week are going to be tuning in for the first time because, well... The season's starting, so this is the first time they've been on the baseball subreddit since last October. So we have a segment where we just kind of go over our favorite interviews from the first 14 episodes of our Baseball Weekly and let you know what we are excited about so that if you missed some, you know what you can go back and re-listen to. But before all of that, I am excited to have Maz joining me here to talk about all of the spring training news from the past week or so. Maz, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me back as usual. Um, I'm excited for baseball. And let me just say to everybody, an early welcome to the 2021 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited. I don't know if you saw it. It was posted a little earlier uh, today, in the Tigers game, there was some definitely yakety sacks worthy base running mistakes on a wild pitch. Bases loaded, gets stuck in a rundown, looks like he's out, and then he plows into the third baseman, ball pops out, and after about 30 seconds of play, all the runners seemed to advance as far as they could and then came back. The fielders were all over, and after 30 seconds, nothing happened. And that just got me excited for baseball, because that's just what baseball is, right? A whole bunch of nothing that's entertaining, and somehow we care about it. That, that, great. that was very entertaining. I did see it. Uh, funny enough, I was watching it uh, as my girlfriend was here at the time, and she was looking over, and I watched it once, and I, I said to her, oh my god, check this out. And she will admittedly say she is very new to baseball. She just got into it last year. Me being the huge baseball person I am, she figured she'd get into it. Obviously, last year was a hard year to get into it. But yeah. she watched the clip, and then as soon as the third baseman tried to tag the runner and the ball went flying, she goes, oh! And then a quarter of a second, even she went, oh, oh, uh. And then as soon as he got back to third, and then the guy got to second, and it realized nothing was going to happen here, she just went, oh, oh, oh. So even she caught on to that, and... <laughs> Yeah, it's Tigers baseball, baby. It's going to be a long season, but I'm excited. <laughs> it's like watching someone foul off 10 straight pitches. Nothing happens, but somehow it's just amusing to watch nothing happen. Or 22 That's pitches if you're watching that game. Pitches. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to kind of get into things here. Although I do want to just mention one one more thing that I realized this week as we were sitting down at our round tables. Have you ever thought about the fandom breakdown of everyone that's involved in the podcast so far? Uh, I thought about it a little bit. I know there's a big uh, East Coast, Best Coast bi uh, bias on the podcast lately, but I think we're pretty even in terms of East Central uh, West? We're even on East and Central. <laughs> <laughs> well, Central is actually what I was thinking about because I was sitting down and I realized, I mean, Jimmy's a Royals fan. And he's very unabashedly a Royals fan. You know he's a Royals fan. You absolutely. know he's a Royals fan. I am a Twins fan, and I think, for some reason, on the podcast, I bring it up more than I normally would. Because I'm very much an all-around baseball fan, but for the first time in years, you know, it's fun to be a Twins fan again, so it's just fun to bring it up. Totally. And Deej, he comes on every few episodes, and he's an Indians fan, and he's ready to break things down for us, and he's got that Indians perspective. And then our production administrator, Christine, she's a Tigers fan, and I realized that the White Sox are kind of left out. And uh, I apologize to White Sox fans in advance, but 
I, I'm sorry, we all just kind of love ragging on you, and so just just accept that ragging because I mean, it was a White Sox or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a rough week on the field for some injury news, obviously. Yes. It's going to be a rough week when it comes to the round table a little bit later. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just kind of how it is. But uh, yeah, sorry, White Sox fans. You just been, grin and bear it. That's all I can say. Everybody's got to do it every so often. So, let I mean, let's get into some of these, these injuries. You mentioned White Sox had a rough rough week with it because their left fielder air quotes their left fielder Aloy Jimenez he's out for five to six months after uh after rupturing his left pectoral tendon attempting to rob a home run and he was not close to robbing that home run uh. and uh it was just he, he just reached over and dragged it on the fence and it wasn't pretty, and now he's out for maybe the whole season, unless he pulls a Kyle Schwarber and just comes back at the very, very end. Yeah, that's just rough. He could come back. I mean, I would anticipate him to come back. He's a good player. He's a good key cog in that White Sox machine. I didn't see the play in question. Uh, I've got better things to do than to watch White Sox spring training games, but that that's rough, man. I, I was just talking about it yesterday. Again, we're talking about the East Coast bias here. I apologize, everyone. But Brendan Nimmo dove for a ball in center field, made a really great play. And as I'm watching the clip on my phone, I was going, don't dive, don't dive. Uh, All right, you dove. And it's rough. I mean, that's one of the things, if you want to go back to when we first started talking about spring training games a couple weeks ago, I think one of the first things I said was just everybody stay healthy, get through spring, gel well, and get through this without any real major injuries. And that's that's the goal of spring training. And Jimenez, he's not playing for anything. He doesn't need to prove his spot on this team. Yeah. And so attempting to rob a home run in a spring training game, it's just rough. And I know White Sox fans have been calling, like, why isn't he DHing? And then the more well-learned of their fan base comes in and says, well, here's the problem, guys. You've got Jimenez, who's got a great bat, not very good in the field. We've got Jose Abreu, who, once again, really great bat. He's playing first and he's DHing. And then they've got Andrew Vaughn, who also great bat and was going to kind of like shift back and forth with Abreu first and DH. And now he's going to be in left field. And the White Sox are kind of at this point where they just they went hard on getting bats and it almost looks like a fantasy roster where you've got all these bats and you're like, well, I can slide this guy in because the defense doesn't matter. Right. And uh, and so that's kind of where they're at right now. And uh, we'll, we'll see. It's obviously a blow to the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will say they still have a good shot of winning the Central. And as a Twins fan, I hate to admit that they do. They've got a lot of good weapons. And I hate if we do win, I hate to do it, like, I'd hate if we won it by, like, one game after Jimenez comes back and, like, gives them a surge, and it's very obvious that we only won because he was out for so long, because you don't want to win that way. Yeah. That's not how you want to win. Yeah, like like you said, it's rough. Um, I mean, you got Jimenez is their left fielder. Robert is their center fielder, so it's not even like he can move over to left. Like, he's just a pure center fielder. Yeah. So you've really got a couple of guys that are going to need to be in the lineup and are going to need to field, but they're in the lineup because of their bats, not because of their fielding prowess. And uh, Tim Anderson's a great shortstop, so hopefully you think maybe you could just stick anyone over and left and Tim Anderson's going to get to all the balls. He's going to be out in, in shallow left. <laughs> You know, take it away and out from the left fielder. The biggest blow to the White Sox is when MLB restricts the infielders to the dirt because they can't have Anderson (laughs) playing five steps into the outfield anymore. Ah, Yeah, that's going to be rough. But yeah, it's uh, it definitely is a blow. I still think they're a good team, but I I do still stand. My prediction from a few weeks ago that the White Sox are going to underperform is looking pretty good right about now. But I wouldn't have wanted it to happen this way. I never wish injuries on people, but uh, ain't looking bad. 
Well, moving on to uh, a little more injury news. The Yankees, Luke Voigt, is out for at least the first month with a torn meniscus. He is going to be having surgery. It's weird because he had he missed about a month and a half in 2019 with some unrelated injuries. And you just start thinking about what is it about the Yankees that this happens? It just seems to happen to their players more than other teams. Mm, definitely. It, it was a, a position that the Mets were in a handful of years ago. I'm not saying that we're out of that position because I don't want to jinx it. Um, but yeah, the Yankees have really had injury problems the last four years. It, it's Judge, it's Stanton, it's Voight now, it's uh, Sanchez has some problems every now and then. Yeah, it's tough. And they're kind of in the same position that the White Sox are, where they have guys that have excellent bats that they want to have DH every now and then. Yeah, Luke Voigt is their first baseman, and Judge is a really good right fielder in terms of defense. But you got Stanton, you got Voigt that you ideally want to get out every couple of days and put him in the DH role. You got Judge that ideally you want to put him in the DH role every couple of days. People got to play the field. And it's it's tough when you got so many guys at defense. It's defense second and bat first. But it's definitely a blow to have Luke the Nuke out of the Yankee lineup as he is uh, being affectionately referred to as here. But again, they're kind of in the same position as the White Sox, where they're just a really good team, and I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. Well, I think the Yankees have, have the depth to just fill it in. And I I mean, it's getting to the point where it's a little beyond this, but... I have brought up for a while that, I mean, this is kind of, ca- Voight was not an injury-prone player that he brought in, but it no, is Cashman's MO to buy low on guys that are injury-prone and, you know, just throw them out there, and if they get hurt, that's okay. Cashman's got another depth guy that he bought yeah. low on to replace him. I mean, this is the guy that brought in Troy Tulowitzki, after all. <laughs> and no no one bit. saw it coming when he was done. No one but forget that. <laughs> the other thing is he he likes drafting or trading for or bringing in very large human beings. Giancarlo Stanton is a large human being. <laughs> Aaron Judge is a large human being. Even <laughs> Luke Voigt is. I mean, he's 6'3", 255. I guess that's a little larger than the average MLB player. Not quite on the other guy's level, but large human beings take a little more, you know, wear and tear on their bodies. So, but also, I I mean, we'll see, because they, they, like, they cleaned house on their medical staff a few years ago, and things still keep happening. It's not Mm -hmm. going away. And so, yeah, it's, they got to find something to do in terms of the way to condition people, train people from the minors up. I mean, luckily, like you mentioned, uh, different from the White Sox, the Yankees have the depth. At least they have, you know, Mike Ford is a really good first baseman on their team. Mm -hmm. Um, So he could take the spot. But yeah, he's an important part. Voight is an important part of this team. He swings a big bat. He's one of those boys that they have that just swings a big bat. And that's all the Yankees do these days. Just swing those big bats. And not that injury news is ever good news. But on the easier path for the Yankees forward they found out this week that a couple of their biggest division opponents are going to be without some bullpen help uh, at least for for most of the year or for all of the year I, I mean the Rays Nick Anderson he was great last year he kind of faltered late in the postseason but he was very good out of their bullpen He is out past the All-Star break with a partial tear in his elbow ligament. They're not going to try surgery at this time, but it is going to sideline him for for a few months while he tries to kind of do PT and recover from that. And then north of the border, although now it's down south by the Rays for the foreseeable future, I guess. In Dunedin. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The Blue Jays, they they lost Kirby Yates. He underwent Tommy John surgery on Wednesday. And, uh, I mean, he's obviously going to miss the entire season. Sneak peek. Next week, we're going to be talking with uh, Mike Wilner, who writes a... He's a columnist currently for the Toronto Star. Follows the Blue Jays very closely. Was their former radio play-by-play announcer. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to him a little bit about what he thinks about that. And them moving forward, but 
So, so the bullpens in the AL East are a little, little banged up. So maybe it won't matter that Boyd's out for the first month because, you know, someone else is going to come through and make them blow saves. Yeah, with the Anderson news, it's a little bit easier to handle because it's the Rays. They have that incredible bullpen, but it's not nothing. You know, it's not something that they're just going to shake off and move on. Like you said, Anderson was great. He had almost a half ERA in the games that he played last year. It was 20 games, but I mean, that's great when you can put a, you know, a half ERA. The thing is there is that they just have 10 other guys that are just as good. Mm -hmm. Um, If last year is any indication, the Yates news is really the the big piece. And I know he wasn't that good last year. Uh, He did have a pretty rough 2020. Rough 2020, but again, there's lots of players who had rough 2020s that were were just kind of chalking up and are like, you know, he was really good before that. He was, he was yeah. Really good before He was that. debatable, like, top three reliever in the majors for since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he had that potential to be that again. Even if he's not top three reliever in Major League Baseball, he could still have been top 10, top five, definitely. But that that's the hard news, especially because the Blue Jays, one of their weaknesses is their bullpen. That's really kind of rough. And uh, I personally, I like Kirby Yates a lot. So it always sucks when someone needs Tommy John and it's, they're done. And it's like, okay, see you next year. Ugh, always tough. Yeah, that's, it's tough. I mean, the, the Blue Jays, they knew they were kind of taking a risk on him. And I guess it doesn't pay off. But they're still the moves you want teams to make, right? You still yeah. want teams to, to make these moves. And if they don't work out, they don't work out. But when they do work out, it works. I mean, it works out. It's really nice. So I don't know and, how you could be. I don't know how you could be a Blue Jay fan and say, "God, why did we sign this guy?" Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, if I was a Blue Jays fan, I'm not, but I'm just a casual observer. It's like, well, that's baseball. Sometimes that's baseball season, as they say. <laughs> and then in other injury news, I don't know if you saw this. Steven Strasburg actually ruptured a tendon in his left calf. But apparently it's one of those tendons that's redundant or vestigial. And even if it suddenly disappeared from his leg, he'd still be playing 100% and he'd be fine. Um, But I guess that happens. And those muscles exist in our bodies and our tendons exist in our bodies. And I guess that's kind of neat. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I, I saw the, the news about that, and I thought, oh, that sucks. Strasburg's good, and uh, I don't want to see him injured, even though they're a rival of mine. Um, and then I continued to read it, and it's just, don't worry about it. It's all right. No big deal. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, apparently these are muscles that we have in our body, and it would be a problem for him if we still walked on all fours, is the news that I read. So how is he going to get up the stairs? <laughs> right. If That's how I walk up my stairs. You get up the stairs. Poor Strasburg. Come on. You, coming in sometimes at night, you just want to walk up your stairs on all fours. Someone's going to have to, like, carry him up the dugout steps every game. It's, yeah. it's going to be rough. But, yeah, that, that's wild. Uh, good for him that it, it's essentially meaningless, but just uh, weird baseball injury stuff. And that's not even one of those Nick Pavetta sleeping on your arm wrong yeah. and you miss a start thing. That's just, you're literally fine. All right, let's move on. Oh, I hurt myself. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's I'm good, though. It's literally not serious at all. Even when you break your tailbone, you're still, I mean, you're out for a while and you're hurting. And we don't have tails anymore. Why do you need your tailbone? It's crazy. But this crazy. is different. <laughs> so there's kind of our injury roundup. There was some other big news this past week. MLB has sent out memos that ESPN, of course, obtained because ESPN has a thing for obtaining memos, I guess. And (laughs) they sent it out that they are going to be cracking down on pitchers using foreign substances on the mound this year. This includes, you know, emphasis on umps looking at it. Plus, apparently, they're going to be looking at balls taken out of play and testing those for foreign substances. and. Apparently, they're going to be analyzing spin rate just as much as the guys at Brooks Baseball and Fangraphs do. And uh, apparently, they're going to be looking for sudden jumps in spin rate and targeting those pitchers. So that's interesting. <laughs> that that certainly is a move. I think it's a good idea. I mean, to kind of crack down on it a little bit. I, I don't know about the whole analyzing spin rate thing because guys can do things in, in just one off season. 
Um, they can legitimately jump their spin rate and hold it just a certain different way or mm-hmm. flick their wrist just a certain different way and you can get a bunch of di- a couple hundred more RPMs on your fastball or slider or whatever you're throwing. Um, but yeah, the foreign substance thing, I'm just looking at it as well as the uh, taking balls out of play and testing them. Uh, you know, I'm for it. It's going to be contentious, but those tests better be right is the first thing that yeah. jumped out to me. Uh, I don't want to have MLB coming out and saying we're doing an investigation on, I don't know, Chase Anderson. <laughs> and then he's sitting out there like, what did I do? And okay, everybody's going to sit out there and say, what did I do? Exactly. But what did when you they... do? It was a hot day. You were playing in Arizona and you had sunscreen on. That's what... right. There's going to be obviously stuff on the ball from that just gets picked up there. I'm assuming they're they're looking for for stuff that's okay. Well, that's a little more than there needed to be. Yeah. And to the spin rate, I'm hoping I, I'm guessing it's like when uh, a player suddenly comes out of nowhere and has a power surge and suddenly they're getting drug tested every other game right yeah mlb's like hmm that might be an indicator that something's up yeah let's just take a take a double check there and and i'm assuming that's the same sort of thing they're going to be doing with the with the spin rate i i don't think they can be like hey you improve too much you're (laughs) obviously cheating get out of here yeah that'd be a little silly (laughs) so and I, I mean, we'll we'll see. I know a lot of people are pointing to Trevor Bauer and saying, "Ha ha, we got you." Yeah, I think that's where everybody's uh, initial thoughts are going. Is a guy like Trevor Bauer? Listen, we could say what we will about Trevor Bauer. I have everybody knows my feelings on him. I hate the guy. <laughs> never wanted the Mets to get him. Never thought he was any good. Uh, go back, check the records. Uh, I've always been on record about it. Uh, but. The first thing that everybody will point out is that this is exactly what Trevor Bauer wanted. It's what he wanted the whole time. It's what he was yelling about in 2019. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, yeah, well, I bet if I did it, I could dick around and win a Cy Young Award. Which seems to be exactly what he did. You know what? And then people are going to say that's exactly what he wanted. And he's going to stop using now. And he's going to revert back to the old Trevor Bauer. And he got a huge contract out of the Dodgers being the richest paid baseball player in Major League history. That's fine. If I'm Trevor Bauer... That's fine. I'll accept that. But you better get earplugs for when you play in Los Angeles and you are 2018 and 2019 Trevor Bauer for the money that they are paying you. That's all I'm going to say. Do what you will about exposing the foreign substances in baseball. But uh, when you're putting up 2017, 18 and 19 Trevor Bauer numbers for uh, 2020 Trevor Bauer pay, fans ain't going to like that too much, I don't think. Well, as long as he does bad enough and gets taken out, you know, before the fourth, no fans are going to be there to yell at him. So, low-hanging Dodgers traffic jokes. Ah, yes. Gotta love those low-hanging jokes. You you gotta take them when they're there. Uh, (laughs) I guess the the last thing before we turn things over to our roundtable here is just a quick rundown of what opening day is going to look like if you are an active member of the subreddit make sure you get your call your shot entry into the annual call your shot competition before opening day and then on opening day we will be having game threads for uh, a couple of the espn nationally broadcast games so be sure to be tuning in for those it's going to be exciting and fun as always always lots of stuff to do there might be a couple contests we'll see if you are planning on watching a lot on uh, opening day and you're interested in showing off how much you watch we are going to be doing an opening day trivia segment for next week's episode andy's got the trivia he's going to be watching every game to write those trivia questions down on what happens on Thursday and just some, uh, you know, opening day history. And if you are interested in that, there will be a Google form that you can fill out linked in the notes and on the post in the subreddit. If you think, hey, you know what? I'm free. It's still a pandemic. I'm free Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and I can show off my opening day trivia skills. Uh, just sign up for that and we'll get you on and Andy will quiz you and see if you actually were paying attention or not. So there's that going on. 
Uh, otherwise, if you are looking for ways to watch the game and you have a cable subscription that you watch games on, I'm assuming if you've got, you know, MLB TV, you can watch all the games. Or if you use other streaming methods, you're going to find ways to watch all the games. But if you're using cable or satellite to watch the games, ESPN has the full slate on Thursday at 1. They've got the Blue Jays, Yankees, 4, Dodgers, Rockies, the 7 o'clock Mets, Nationals game. Maz, what's that pitching matchup? Uh, Mets, Nationals should be good as it is every year because every year it's Jacob deGrom, it's Max Scherzer going one-on-one. Even though Scherzer had a non-Scherzer 2020 and DeGrom missed out on a three-peat of the Cy Young, they're still two of the best pitchers in baseball and uh, two of the best teams in the NL East, in my mind. Um, Going back to the predictions, I predicted that the Nationals could uh, jump up and surprise some people. So that'll be really fun. Uh, I'll be glued to my TV along with my dad, as everyone else should be too, I think. I I agree. And the nightcap at 10.07 Eastern Time on ESPN the Astros and A's are playing each other, and this is going to be the first Astros game playing at an opposing team stadium with fans in the stands. Oakland's going to have some fans there, so um, that should be interesting. And uh, I mean, Oakland fans. I don't. I don't care how limited the seating capacity is. It doesn't matter because it always feels like limited seating capacity there. They get loud, and uh, I'm excited to to just listen into the audio there. Going to see if I can can get some audio only feed or something if that's available. Probably after the game on MLB TV, so that that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, so Friday, uh, Friday, all the games are on MLB Network that are nationally broadcast. If you don't have a local game on, sorry. It's kind of a letdown that Friday after opening day when your teams got off, especially if they're like the Twins and they're playing at Milwaukee in a dome and there's no reason to have Friday off. It's just grinds my gears. Uh, but then Saturday, we are back to nationally broadcast action. Fox Sports 1 kicks off their coverage with Braves Phillies at 4 and Dodgers Rockies at 8. And then ESPN also has games on Sunday both an afternoon and the traditional Sunday night baseball. So that is where you can watch the opening weekend matchups nationally if you're watching on old-fashioned cable or satellite. And uh, with that all out of the way, Maz, thanks for joining me here to introduce our pre-opening day episode. And we will both be right back in just a little bit with the rest of the team to talk about our favorite interviews from the offseason. So be sure to stick around for that. Well, welcome back, everyone, and I am so excited. We've got a full booth here today, Maz, Andy, Jimmy, Martin, and for the first time on the podcast, we were able to coax our production administrator, Christine, on. We are all so excited to have her. We got her out from behind the glass. (laughs) Hey, got her out from behind the glass. Thank you very much. We are excited to have you here. We are excited. Opening day is coming up. And with opening day, we know we've got a number of people who are tuning in probably for the first time this week. And we wanted to look back. We've done, this is episode 15, and we've done a dozen interviews with different people from around the baseball world. And we wanted to just quick go around. And for those of you who are new, You can hear which interviews are worth going back and listening to. All the timestamps to skip ahead are in every episode description. And for those of you that have been there with us from the beginning, you get to have those fun, nostalgic feelings for the very depths of the pandemic in the winter, because everyone loves remembering those times as well. So we're just going to quick go around the six of us and talk about uh, some of the interviews here. So, Maz, I'm going to start with you. I'm just going to ask you two things. 
First off, Maz, what was your favorite interview to be a part of so far in the podcast in our first dozen interviews? Well, as much as I want to say that my favorite interview was the Foolish Baseball interview, just because of how cool it was to interview like my favorite baseball YouTuber, uh, I think looking back, I got to go with the Ashley McLennan interview, just because it was... I don't want to say it was a a surprise of how fun it was, but it really was a great time. She's a a great person. Uh, It was really fun just to chat about everything for a handful of minutes. And uh, I I think that was probably my favorite interview that I did, at least. And that was just a couple weeks ago, uh, episode 13, for those of you at home listening along. That might have been mine, too. Especially my, my favorite part of that one was uh, she was talking about how, you know, someone had told her, well, write under a man's name so that you don't get as much guff from people. And she said, no, I'm writing under my name. And that story really, uh, as a father of two daughters, made me very, very happy to to hear her stand up like that. So that is uh, uh, from episode 13. Andy, you haven't been in on any of the interviews, but what was your favorite interview to just listen to? Um, I would have to say, just from the sheer magnitude of who we were able to get as the interview, I would probably say Billy Wagner. Um, just because I remember when we were first talking on Slack about like potentially getting Billy Wagner, how excited we all were. Um, just this this dumb little podunk podcast, you know, bunch of bunch of people farting around on the internet, and we're able to wrangle in a, a potential Hall of Famer. Um, that was pretty cool. So I would I would have to go with Billy Wagner. Yeah, and Biz couldn't join us here. But when I asked him the question, it took him less than a second to reply. Billy Wagner, no question. <laughs> Super awesome. How often do you get to you know shoot shit with a potential Hall of Famer? So I'm just so happy that I was able to get in on that interview, just simply because I had a really good microphone that week. And <laughs> did you just and- get your microphone that day? I well, I got a I got a good microphone like the interview the sec like the interview the week before, mm. and it was like, oh wow, Jimmy, you have a really good microphone, and so like we were all like, oh, we should put Jimmy in more interviews because he has a good microphone, and I was like, yes, I got to interview an MLB Hall of Famer because I bought a sixty dollar microphone at Best Buy. It was a very good feeling. Cheers, same microphone. <laughs> Well, Jimmy, since you're already talking, it, was that your favorite interview to be in on as well? Or was there another one that, that really took the cake for you? Well, um, so I remember when we were just meeting, we had a Zoom meeting just to talk about the idea of doing a podcast and whether or not we would be legitimate and like, what would we need to do to kind of get people to listen to us and prove to us, to prove to everybody that like, we can justify another baseball podcast because there's literally millions of baseball podcasts out there. And I was just kind of like, kind of talking out of my ass. If I'm going to be honest, and like, I bet I could, I bet I could get Bob Kendrick on <laughs> and, 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 and everyone's like, Oh, Oh, okay. And I remember there's a little bit of me being like, I was definitely talking up my relationship with him way beyond what it really was. But and in all reality, like he has like talked to me on Twitter before I got him to do an ask me anything on our subreddit and I met him once at the museum and I thought, oh, yeah, we're friends. Like he came to my <laughs> wedding. Like I was, I was like playing it off. I was playing it off like like he like, you know, came to the hospital to see my firstborn. And so, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can call Bob. He and I are on a first name basis. I'll call him. He can be on the interview. And then, like in my back of my head, I'm like, why am I talking like this? Why am I saying that he can come on and do an interview? And so here I am. So like I like get on Twitter and like I message him. I'm like, hey, could you come on and do this podcast? He's like, yeah, sure. And I went, oh, God, like he totally legitimized who I am. And like it's going to legitimize this podcast. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. They're a big name podcast because they have big guests. And like so like that opening one of having Bob Kendrick on. And I remember Lewis when like we interviewed him like, the interview was over and he logged off and we went, did that really happen? Did that really just happen? Did we really just interview Bob Kendrick? Now, and for those who uh, remember that, that's episode one. And yeah. that was the news that the uh, that Major League Baseball was recognizing the Negro Leagues as Major Leagues had broken that week. 
after he had agreed to come on our podcast. So we didn't know it beforehand. And then that news broke and we were worried he was going to cancel on us. We were, I was legitimately concerned he was going, hey, I know that I promised this, but, you know, CBS News wants to interview me. <laughs> I had to pick between you and CBS News and I picked the, uh, CBS News and I'd be like, yeah, I completely get that. And so it was just that po- that moment of like, we're we're wanting to make a podcast. We want people to listen to us. We want to make sure that people think of us as a, as a legitimate podcast in the sense of we're getting bigger names in like people, you know, if you listen to us, you're actually going to hear like in-depth conversations. It's not just random people talking about baseball. It's we're talking to people who are in the know about baseball. And I thought that was going to be, and I, and I just remember like I pretty low self-esteem. And so sometimes I have to make up for my low self-esteem by saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm I'm on a first name you know, or whatever. I'm kind of being hyperbolic here. I just said like I know who Bob Kendrick is. I bet he would do an interview with us if we asked. And that was kind of essentially basically what I pitched. And but at the time I was like, you know, if I ask and doesn't respond, not a big deal. And there's other people that I asked to do interviews with us, and I'm not going to name them, and they never responded. So it's not again, it's not the end of the world. I just was really shocked that he said yeah absolutely i'll drop whatever i'm doing to be on your interview and and it was like this is episode one and i just felt like it legitimized us it kind of helped us and put us in a situation where we like started off on the right foot on getting this podcast going um the viewership or the listenership however you view it however you whatever you want to call it like wasn't incredible for episode one but at the same time like that's a great episode for people to go back to. It's mm-hmm. still a good episode right now. Like it, it stands the test of time. If someone just discovers us today, they can go, well, let me listen to what pod, what, let me listen to what episode one was all about. And like minus the intro music, because we didn't get Andy's friend to like record the intro music for us. Minus the intro music, which was just kind of like, like very generic, ro- g- very generic royalty, Creative free commons, you know, royalty free music. Like other than that, like, it was a well-produced episode and we kind of started off on the right foot. And so content wise, yeah, it was perfect timing. It was something that I'm personally passionate about because I love the Negro league baseball museum. I love when people come to visit me that we go to the Negro league baseball museum. Um, and so all that to say like, yeah, that was probably my favorite. Another one. I'm going to pretend like I didn't interview Billy Wagner because it's just, it's kind of like the juggernaut. Yeah. Um, but Todd Radom, <laughs> Todd Radom, like ever since then, um, I get notifications every time he tweets just because <laughs> everything he talks about is really good and insightful. And it, and it spans beyond baseball. He talks about hockey, he talks about basketball. He talks about a lot of different sports. He has a very unique perspective where he's a sports enthusiast, but also an artist. And that has been another interview that I really enjoyed. Um, he's just so easygoing and just so easy to interview. Um, I just, I felt like he made me feel like a professional, if that makes any sense. Cause I think it was me and Biz that interviewed mm-hmm. him. And we just felt like, I felt like a professional that was interviewing this guy on a professional basis. And he just treated us with so much respect. And he's just all around a very respectable person. Very respectable guy, very respectable artist, very talented at what he does. And it's a shame that he's not a household name because he should be and he could be if he really self-promoted better. And that was actually episode two. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it was episode two because I remember it was great because with Bob Kendrick, we knew he was going to show up in a suit. So we I mean, we it's an audio <laughs> podcast, but we record most of the interviews with video calls. And so uh, for that one, Jimmy, I remember we both like we ran and got our suits on. We were all set. And then uh, as a producer, I was in I wasn't in on the interview, but I was there to greet Todd when he came on and stuff. And it was like we went from Bob Kendrick suit in his office, surrounded by all this Negro League memorabilia. And then Todd had like t-shirt and sweatpants on and was just in his in his living room (laughs) he did have a really good view from his back window like i think he lives in a really nice studio apartment (laughs) that was one that i uh i enjoyed just the instant contrast um maz going quick back to you because i cut you off before i asked the second question 
What was your favorite interview to listen to that you might not have been a part of? Uh, the favorite one that I wasn't a part of, I think it's a tie probably between the Bob Kendrick and the Billy Wagner interview. The Bob Kendrick one, just because it's somebody who I unfortunately wasn't really familiar with until Jimmy brought up the prospect of interviewing him. Billy Wagner, you know, I know who he is. He's a potential Hall of Fame reliever and he was a Met, so I knew all about the guy, but he was still a really interesting interview. But Bob Kendrick, it was just, wow, I had no idea this guy even existed and he's got such vast knowledge and is such a great person and a great personality. And especially I think the thing that sticks out about the Bob Kendrick interview is the fact that like Jimmy's um, enthusiasm for everything is just kind of <laughs> contagious when it comes to talking about Bob and, you know, the Negro League Museum and everything. So I think that was another uh, great aspect of that interview that people don't talk about. <laughs> All right, Martin, what uh... – what interviews you were in just a couple uh are there any that stick out to you either that you were on or that you've listened to since i really did enjoy like getting to pick bailey's brain with the foolish baseball interview Mm -hmm. just getting a sense behind some of his creative processes and also as a side note because we did the interview over zoom discovering that his sweater aesthetic is chris evans in knives out <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh my that gosh, that's right. What the aesthetic. <laughs> that it was it was exactly what you think. Like whatever <laughs> you're imagining, you're exactly right. So the foolish baseball interview with Bailey, that was actually episode seven, in case you're you're keeping track of these. And then the Billy Wagner one we keep talking about, that was on episode eight. And I just am looking back at our notes and realizing those two episodes also had a lot to do with the Rockies, because that was right after the the big uh, Arenado trade, and then... Uh, I know the, the Foolish episode was the same episode that I talked to uh, Scrax. Yeah, you talked to, to Scrax, and then the next episode we had the uh, 100% serious moral justification for the trade. Yes, that was, I remember that. That, that was, was a good that listen was good, to as That was well. good content. So, it's not really an interview, but that was definitely uh, a good experience. Yeah, bo- <laughs> both of those are, are good things to listen to as well from those episodes. And Christine, you have dodged all my attempts to get you on the podcast, but now I finally have you here and talking with us. As someone who's listened to most of the episodes here, what has been your favorite interview to listen to from the the first 15 episodes, the first dozen uh, interviews we've done? I really enjoyed listening to the interview with Bob Kendrick as I learned a lot about the Negro Leagues, a topic that I am fairly unfamiliar with. His passion for baseball really shone through, and I hope to one day meet him in person and visit the Negro Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City. So kudos to Jimmy for facilitating this interview. Thumbs up emoji. And Jimmy's (laughs) going to let us all stay at his house when we we go to, when we all have a meetup there, right? Post-pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we might have to set up a tent in the backyard, but we could probably fit some of you. Nothing mass can't handle tenting out in the backyard like that. So I did. I did finish the basement over COVID, and I installed a beer kegerator with two beer taps installed into the walls, and so I'll easily be able to entertain. And if <laughs> by entertain you mean get you guys drunk, so you forget how boring my house is, there you go. This is how I learned kegerator is a word. <laughs> So I, I guess for me personally, you guys have hit a lot of the ones I really enjoyed. For me, I was in on it, but really I didn't feel like I was that much of a part of it because I just enjoyed the whole thing. In episode three, we interviewed Joe Block, who is the Pirates play-by-play broadcaster. And any interview where you've got someone who can tell a Bob Euchre story, that's one that I just... I'm a sucker for those, and he's just such a great storyteller, and I feel really bad for him having to watch this year's Pirates team over a full 162-game season, and what I loved was that he was willing to actually talk about that, and uh, what that was like to call call a game over that amount, uh, a team at that level Um, But I think my actual favorite interview to do uh, was in episode nine, we interviewed or I interviewed Ethan Moore, who now works as an analyst for the Minnesota Twins. And uh, that was the first interview that 
I just did solo. There was no one else was available. And uh, it, it was really fun. Uh, me and Ethan just went back and forth. He's from Colorado, so he was moving to Minnesota. So we chit chatted about that for a while afterwards. And just a fun one to do. And just uh, a lot of good content about, you know, what what does it take to get into the industry now? And what are what is the future of pitching and all those sorts of things? So uh, that was probably my my favorite to sit down and be a part of. Well, thank you guys. We'll be back in just a little bit to talk about opening day and what we're excited for for the rest of the season. So stay tuned. We're just going to have a brief interlude and we'll all be back to talk about that in just a little bit. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Lewis back here once again with Maz, Andy, Jimmy, Martin, and Christine. And we are going to talk all about opening day. It's this week. We're finally getting April baseball back for the first time since 2019. And I am so excited for it. Opening day is bar none, my favorite day of the year. Take that Christmas, take that Thanksgiving, opening day is where it is at. And so we're just going to quick go around and talk a little bit about what we love about opening day. So Maz, I'm going to start with you. What are your plans for this year? Do you have any normal traditions for opening day? And what are you kind of most excited about for this coming weekend for opening day and the opening weekend? Well, I think my traditions are pretty simple when it comes down to it. I don't really have strictly just an opening day schedule that I like to stick to. I like to do the opening week thing. Baseball usually starts on a Thursday, so that gives me a couple days to lead up to it. I usually, I used to be insane, and I used to watch all of Ken Burns baseball before the series, the season started. But now I try to keep it to usually like the fourth inning, the ninth inning, 10th inning, that sort of thing. Uh, the fourth inning is, is, of course, the Babe Ruth episode. And then the ninth and 10th, because that covers a bit of the 90s, which, uh, you know, obviously was my childhood. <laughs> I like to usually watch Major League at some point. My favorite baseball movie, personally. Uh, might watch it with my dad. Might watch it with my significant other. Uh, but it, it's a tradition at this point. And then opening day, I always watch the first game with my dad. Whether the Mets are at home and we're going or they're on the road and we carve out our evening or afternoon to sit down and watch them play, you know, usually the Nationals or Braves or Phillies or that sort of thing. Um, But it's simple. It's extended. It's not isolated to just one day, uh, which, I mean, I think that's perfect for baseball. Yeah, Andy, how about you? Uh, I'm just going to drink beer and eat hot dogs. Every year. (laughs) That, no, that's that's, that's honestly what I do every year. I drink beer and You're I eat hot dogs. You're a simple man. So, I'm just I'm I'm a, I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. Jimmy, how about you? <laughs> so, uh, we leave our Christmas tree up until opening day. Really? Nice. No. Oh. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Um, you know, my opening day traditions uh I don't know if I have any. I mean, I'll be honest. I was, I'm, you know, I wasn't a, uh, I wasn't the biggest baseball fan as like a, a child. Like my dad, he loved football growing up, and so there wasn't any baseball traditions growing up. Um, and so even like into adulthood, I was like, oh, baseball started. And so for me, like recently, the tradition's been um, getting on the subreddit, paying attention to that, paying attention to all the games. There are just that said, like there are traditions I want to start now that I've started a family. Um, my son, uh, as of recording this, his one year birthday is tomorrow. Um, so I remember last year, uh, I didn't know COVID wasn't like a hundred percent a thing when my son was born last year. Like it was becoming a thing, but even, even back then, like a year ago, I thought it was going to be over in two weeks. And so we went into the hospital. There was no lockdown. There was no mask mandate. There was nothing. And we left and everyone was on lockdown. There was masks. 
mask mandates and all that to all that. And like, I remember last year, um, before my son was born, like my, my wife and I, we got in a pretty big argument because I wanted to go to opening day and bring my newborn son with me. And she had to explain to me how that's a really bad idea. Bringing like a four day old kid to opening game to opening to opening day. Um, it's a bad idea. I'm realizing that now, but <laughs> this year it could happen. And so, uh, there's stuff that I'm thinking about. So for his one year birthday, it's all baseball themed. Um, my wife's in healthcare and so she's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Um, and all, most of her friends are vaccinated. So it's going to be one of those like vaccinated friendly birthday parties. Woo! And it's, it's going to be outdoors and it's going to be like, we're going to have like, baseball nachos with cheese and like like the actual like legit like really bad for you like canned cheese that you the get stuff at, that's not even really cheese but you <laughs> call it yeah because it's yellow and it's delicious and we got nathan's hot dogs we got cracker jacks we got i mean everything like baseball and then um and so we're gonna have a baseball party for him over the weekend to celebrate his one year birthday and uh, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that, that like my son's birthday is going to be right around opening day and like kind of like turning it into something like opening day. Maybe that's how we celebrate his birthday. And so I'm open to uh, I'm open to input. If uh, the listeners want to message us, whether they email our email account, our baseball weekly at Gmail dot com or they respond in the comment section when we post the link to it on the subreddit with like good baseball traditions. Like I'm open to any baseball traditions and uh, I do love Christmas. Um, I was being sarcastic when I said we left our tree up, but uh, you guys can crucify me all you want right now. If you told me that Christmas was next week, I'd be super pumped. Like I would be like turning on the Christmas music. Like I miss Christmas music right now. I want to go out and decorate my house with Christmas lights. I want to get the tree out right now. I love Christmas. I, I should have been born in the North Pole because I love that time of the year. So if we want to make it where I have an advent calendar to lead up to opening day, I'm 100% all in on that. And I do. Like, uh, we've never talked about this on the podcast. Maz is an incredible friend. He's an incredible, incredible friend. He sent me a baseball card advent calendar this year. Yeah. He sent me. No, 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 no. He personally made it with his own baseball cards. Oh, my goodness. Like, he grabbed all his baseball cards from his baseball collection and he made, he picked baseball cards that he knew would mean something to me. So there was like, there was a George Brett card. Advent day number one was a Royals baseball player. And each one was wrapped in its own envelope. And, you, and, it's, and it gave you hints on who it was and you'd open the envelope and you'd pull it out and you'd figure out who it was. And then you would read the hints for the tomorrow and you would open the and, and pull out the card. I'm 100% all in next year. If we want to do an advent calendar for opening day, I'm 100% in because I think that'd be a really incredible tradition. But yeah, I'm 100% open to any baseball opening day traditions because I didn't have any growing up. I really didn't get into baseball until baseball was thrust upon me. Um, and uh, and I think some of the listeners might know, but there was a gift of me shaking my belly at a baseball game. And uh, truth be told, I wasn't the biggest baseball fan when that happened. I went viral and I went, hmm, maybe I should be a baseball fan and maybe I should learn more about the sport. And uh, I fell in love with it really easily. But yeah, I'm totally open to any and i think and the advent calendar for baseball is a great idea with baseball cards i think that's a great concept i think we need to do that next year because i want a gift from maz uh (laughs) and that i feel like a countdown to opening day is right right up our alley so that sounds good martin what about you any plans for this year usual traditions or anything you are extremely excited about as we start the season i don't really have any traditions but i'm very glad that this year that the mets opener falls like when i'm not working because last year i sort of mentally don't count and in 2019 i was at work for the entire game so i couldn't watch any of it until i got home but 
the other thing what i'm this is going to sound weird what i'm looking forward to more is watching like on saturday and sunday watching like each team's third and fourth starters and like tuning into orioles red Sox on sunday and going oh my god these teams are horrible <laughs> <laughs> just like absolute garbage baseball like i want to see like the rockies eighth starter get destroyed there is joy in that it's the kind of thing that you take for granted especially when there is no baseball you just kind of take for granted that you could flip on the tv and see you know the pirates versus the reds and they're miserable and, and yeah and like last year baseball. Th- last year was so short that every game like you could see a team start 3-0 and go huh maybe this year there's <laughs> no way of that like the orioles could go 10-0 and and you'd be like I guess they've got a 2% chance now. Like, I want to see, like, someone have to write an article about, after one week, the first place Pittsburgh Pirates, and then them just to lose, like, 90 games in a row. <laughs> maybe. Like, maybe something could come up this It is weird that a lot of my favorite things about baseball are being incredibly mean. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just how it is sometimes it's why you're perfect for the internet in baseball because you know most of the internet is being incredibly mean right just in a sports fan only sense i guess (laughs) christine how about you what are your normal traditions what do you got planned and what are you looking forward to this first weekend so pre-covid my opening day tradition was to take a half vacation day off work Wear my ball cap with my business casual clothing and change into my jersey and other baseball wear before leaving the office. So then I drive down to the ballpark, arrive an hour early, enough time to grab a sausage, a drink, fill out my scorecard. So I usually print off a bunch of scorecards from the internet and then file into a, a binder like as the season progresses. Wow. Um, so it's a lot of fun to communicate with other fans, discuss baseball, and soak in the Hope Springs eternal atmosphere at the ballpark. So this year, I plan to have the J Sports Net broadcast muted on my TV while listening to the Tigers radio broadcast on my phone and switch between different games until the West Coast games end. And I'll have my baseball-themed beer and scorecard ready. So although the Tigers are not projected to be very good, I'm still very excited to track the progression of Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning and Casey Mize, Nate Pearson, Spencer Torkelson, like, and all the other good minor leaguers, um, you know, the Tigers and the Jays have been fortunate to have drafted for the past several years. Um, I'm most interested to see what exciting young players such as uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Wander Franco can do this season. Um, some of my must-watch series are Mets and Nationals, um, along with uh, Tigers, Indians, and Jays, Yankees, and Giants and Mariners. So I also usually take time off work. It's been easier in the past because usually I worked weekends and so it was a lot easier to take a random midday off. But this year I did it. I was hesitant to pull the trigger and then my wife, my wonderful wife was like, well, it's tradition. You do it all the time. And I'm like, yes, permission to take the day off from someone who is objective about this. Uh, and so it took Took the day off. I am looking forward to sitting down. And I, I've i been asked if I would go to opening day at the ballpark. And to be honest, I don't think I will. Unless I had like season tickets or had really good seats. I don't think I'd want to go to opening day at a ballpark. Because then I wouldn't be able to watch every opening day game. And usually I sit down and uh, right at, you know, that first first game of the year and I watched four games right in a row start to finish try to keep score and uh, I, I really enjoy just having it back and the last couple of years I've been really mad at MLB because they didn't schedule any West Coast games on opening day and this year they did there's three West Coast games so you can have baseball uh, I'm in central time from noon till after midnight, and it I'm I'm so excited. It is going to be glorious, and uh, that's that's my normal tradition. Um, hey, wait, 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 Lewis. Yeah. Um, 
Should we like live stream the you watching this? No, we we shouldn't. I I will have my two daughters home with me, and I don't trust anything that they're they're uh, two and four, and I would not trust that to be live streamed anywhere. That sounds like great content. That sounds like amazing content. Can, if I do end up doing the nine for nine for nine, yeah. uh, I'll absolutely like <laughs> it. would be a live stream of here's Lewis yelling at his kids because he just missed the walk off home run in the first game of the season. Uh, <laughs> so are you saying like your daughter's tradition for opening day is like, well, I like opening day where my daddy just yells at me because I get him distracted. <laughs> I'm, I'm working really hard at that not being it. Um, I when they're both in school, it is going to be a wonderful tradition where they're at school all day and I still have my day to myself, at least the afternoon. I am least looking forward to the Mets Nationals primetime coverage when that's the only game on and my daughters are still running around trying to avoid going to sleep because that's the least likely spot I'll be able to sit and watch. And it's a great pitching matchup. If it wasn't for that, I'd be super pumped about it. But now I'm like, eh, well, it's, it's, it's just going to miss it because the girls are going to be running around. Anyways, all that to say... Uh, I think what I'm more looking forward to is those getting uh, settled into those West Coast late night games, um, especially with White Sox Angels on the going on, because number one, I want to see the White Sox lose. I'm hoping they lose. But number two, I'm excited to see if the Angels can actually put anything together. And so starting three and oh against the White Sox would just be mm, chef's kiss. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are on their way, and the White Sox are losing. I kind of wish I had a fourth week to recap all the division dandies we did, um, where I could talk about my reaction to the projections, because I cried a little when we did the Central Divisions, and everyone said the White Sox are going to be like sneaky good, and I hated hearing it. I like hated hearing how... The White Sox might actually be good this season. It's not even sneaky gonna, good. Fandraft has good them winning the division. In the playoffs last year, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think it's sneaky good. I think everyone's predict- projecting them to win the division or at least come in second. I mean, unless it's the Marlins, you're not allowed to be sneaky good if you were a playoff team. Okay, but everyone. Okay, during the division dandies, which is basically you know the gold standard, the gold standard, the Twins are still going to win the division, which I'm totally co- comfortable with. The White Sox winning the division, I might jump off a cliff. Like I can't, I can't deal. I can't deal with a world where the White Sox are a good team again. I just can't deal with it. Who's with you and the White Sox? I, they suck. <laughs> no one wants to watch the White Sox. Who cares? Just it's like the White <laughs> Sox. No one watches. No one wants to watch them. If you were in Chicago and you had a choice between the White Sox and the Cubs. Why would you choose the White Sox unless you hated yourself? No one wants to root for the White Sox. Who cares? It's the White Sox. They're the worst. Ah! Wow. Sorry. (laughs) Jimmy, I'm not a very ranting person, but thank you for encapsulating what I have felt for a long time. Yeah. Seriously. That's that's good. Seriously. The the AL Central is the easiest fan base to root. Like, like. I will root for the Twins. I will root for the Tigers. The White Sox. <laughs> this is this is actually my exact. I I I cheered for the Royals in yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. I would I, cheer I, for I, the Indians to break their playoff drought. Yeah, I'd push yeah, go for the Cleveland. Tigers uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. Once once you know if we're yeah, out of the picture, abso- absolutely, yeah. But I can't I can't bring myself to cheer for the White Sox. And it has been painful. There have been a couple times where um, the White Sox have actually punched the Twins ticket to the playoffs. When we won the wild card a few years ago, it was because the White Sox beat the Angels. And I was like, I'm celebrating a White Sox Sox walk-off home run, and I feel so dirty right now. Jimmy, summarize all of my thoughts. Uh, friends don't have had friends become White Sox fans. One of the other things I am looking forward to having baseball back is the meaningless, pointless, 
hating on other teams and actually having games to either complain about or say, yeah, we stuck it to them, which is always very enjoyable. Well, I will be back in just a little bit to wrap this episode up. Thank you, Maz, Andy, Jimmy, Martin, and Christine. I'm so excited we got you on. Thank you guys for sitting down and talking about opening day plans and for earlier talking about our favorite interviews. We will see you all in just a little bit. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Next week, we'll have some actual regular season games to talk about, as well as bring you some opening day trivia and an interview with former Blue Jays radio play-by-play announcer and current Jays columnist at the Toronto Star, Mike Wilner. Be sure to sign up for trivia if that is something you are interested in. Thank you to everyone who has filled out our listener survey. It helps us know what you listeners want more of moving forward, so if you haven't taken it, be sure to check the show notes and fill that out today. Our Baseball Weekly is executive produced and edited by me, Lewis. Our Canadian Tigers fan production administrator is Christine. Maz joined me today for all three segments, and Andy, Jimmy, Martin, and Christine joined in both roundtables. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Leese. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday at 1 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you next week. All right, perfect. Ooh. I am at Ooh. 20 minutes, so that is right yep, where same. right where we wanted to be. I think uh I think Christine might be at 35 minutes when you factor in the conversion rate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>